Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. First, the usual housekeeping. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever app you listen to the podcast on. And you can always find us on irishtimes.com. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast. Or you can email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. Also, if you like what we do, then please do head along to iTunes, give us a review and tell all your friends about it. We hope you're all enjoying the bank holiday and relaxing, whatever way you see fit. We've got a great episode today to accompany you. The Women's Podcast Book Club is back in action, having read a memoir by the British journalist Clover Stroud called The Wild Other. Roisin Ingle was joined by Irish Times journalists Bernice Harrison and Neve Towie to discuss the book. And I can confirm it got three thumbs up. Some of our book clubbers may have had to put their poshest prejudices to one side and quote, get over themselves. But all agreed that Clover Stroud's writing is stunning, with Neve particularly taken with how she describes her relationship with nature, something she herself can relate to as a proud countrywoman living in the city. But that's enough from me. I let Roisin Engel, Bernice Harrison and Neve Towie take it from here. Our book club is here again uh, and we have a book called The Wild Other by Clover Stroud. Now, my mother sends her apologies, Anne Ingle. She had to be uh, at something else. So she uh, is here with us in spirit. And I know because this book is about horses that if she were here, the first thing she'd probably be saying is there's a lot of riding in this book because <laughs> she always has to talk about the sex. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to tell you a little preamble and then uh, Bernice Harrison and Eve Terry and myself are going to have a good discussion about the book. Clover Stroud grew up surrounded by animals and family when Clover was 16, her adored mother had a horrific riding accident, leaving her permanently brain damaged. And suddenly Clover had to fend for herself. She embarked on a journey to create a new life and home to heal her broken heart, embracing danger and romance. Clover travelled with gypsies to Ireland, cowboys in Texas and outlaws in Russia, taking herself to the darkest edges of human experience and back again. It's been called a grippingly honest account of love, sex and bravery. It's been called uplifting and lyrical. Bernice Harrison, what did you make of this book? Well, now, first of all, I'm going to start, by the way, I think I probably start every book club by saying this, <laughs> that uh, I would not have read this book had I not been in this book club. That's the thing about book clubs. That is so the thing great. about book clubs. Yeah. That's why people should be in book clubs, because yeah. I absolutely wouldn't. For several reasons, OK, <laughs> I sort of took again the, her name being Clover Stroud, and that's wrong. Like, that's just plain ordinary wrong. I know that's a, that's a wrong thing to think, OK? But then also, the fact that there is a, a posh English girl sitting on a horse, I would think, right, I'm out. So I just, and then... The Your ju- prejudices I, oh, look, really... Oh, look, uh, they yeah. all... something. Like, this this book, should, book should have come with a trigger warning like, for it you. Took, completely. And then the gypsies to Ireland. Like the whole lot, it just it did everything. Then, of course, it's such a good book. I am so glad I read it. 
it's so well written. Well, I'll, okay, I'll just give you a tiny. Okay, we'll, ju- we'll just we'll just ignore the little bit in the back. So this is a young woman. When she was sixteen, the most devastating thing happened. She was living this idyllic life. She is posh. There's no doubt about it. Posh bohemian. Okay, and she was living this idyllic, idyllic, idyllic life in the well, one of the shires. I always mix them up, but a posh big house in the shires. Anyway, horses. You know the village fate. All the whole lot. L- gorgeous mother who she adored, and her mother had a riding accident and was left permanently brain damaged. This is when Clover was 16. Thereafter, essentially, Clover went off the rails, really, for 20, for well, the best part of 15 years, definitely, totally, totally went off the rails in spectacular fashion. Um, but it's not sort of presented as that this isn't sort of a drugs and rock and roll thing. This is quite a different thing. She, she, in a sense, she nearly tried to kill herself because she embarked on such dangerous, risky activities. You know, she tra- went, tra- she did go travelling to Ireland. She lived sort of new age travellers, really, in Ireland. But she was always like really unsuitable men, really risky behaviour. Then she goes to Texas, the same. And this is all when she's 18 and 19. <laughs> like this isn't, you know, and she's she's on her own. There's a, there's a real, you know, image of her being solo all the time, of course, the real source of her dreadful pain and agony is her mum in various homes back in the UK. So um, we could say what the ending is because what what's very interesting and how, how clever or how really skillfully written this book is, is the way it handles time. Because, of course, it starts when she is now a mother of four children. And certainly a mother two at the start. So it starts with then living, she's living quite a suburban life, really dealing with postnatal depression. So she just sounds like an ordinary, regular woman. And then suddenly interweaving all these extraordinary things that happen to her. So the time shifts are so expertly handled in the book and they really pull you along. Mm, Very well edited, I would say, as well. Yes, I would say it's very well edited. And just the structure, I think, brought the whole thing into place. And I wonder, did she have to be, in a sense... now that you mentioned edited sort of pull back restrained actually I wonder well I think it was clever in that you talk about her I think she had four children I think she has four children at the beginning I think she's the two older and the two younger and and you kind of don't know who where the children have come from there's no dads at that point so it is very clever because you're kind of wondering all the time yes where did this how did this all happen Mm. Um, were you as uh, enchanted is enchanted the right word well you were certainly engaged well I was definitely engaged and I you know gobbled it up right at the end right okay so Neve, what did you think yeah equally yeah I was really enchanted by it I felt like even though and I've only learnt this after she did come from a really posh background (laughs) I felt like I could really identify with her and this it starts off in um, the flat in London or the house the townhouse in 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 the city in Oxford wasn't Mm, it and um, you can tell that she feels caged in there you know she wants to fling herself out the window and with the kids along with her and she's in this really dark dark postnatal depression and she's longing for the grass and the fields and the riding the horses and she wants to be back home where all that awful stuff happened with her mother and I just felt like her the whole book is like her chasing this wild sense of connectedness to nature and I felt like as someone who comes from the country as well uh, living in the city that's what you're always longing to go back to is to uh, open fields and grass and um that sense of being connected with open plains that you just don't get in the city and that can have a really negative impact on how you're feeling. Um, And I felt like the whole book was uh, an exploration of that. I think as much as it was 
um, to do with the trauma of losing her mother. I think that the the being disjointed from her home and how when her mother died, everything, the home left. The home was gone, really, at that point. And all of those, like, the way she describes her childhood before the accident happened is really so idyllic. Like, I mean, this is a picture of her uh-huh. mother holding her to her breast basically her whole life. Know. You know, being cradled by that love, mm. that real genuine. They had just such a close, close mother-daughter relationship. Um and that was just absolutely taken from underneath her feet, probably at the time she needed it most as a teenager. Um, so I felt like for any woman from the country and who's um, used to those surroundings, I felt like this was a book I could, you could really identify with as being when you're taken out of that situation. Obviously, she's gone through a lot more than, than, than I have or anybody who's just living in the city, but... Um, yeah, I, I really liked that aspect of well, it. What did you think, Bernice sort of touched on it there about um, the darkness that she, she went on with the, with sort of a uh, risky behaviour, you know, sexual exploits that weren't particularly healthy or there was not much self-love going on. It, yeah. um, Bernice said essentially she was trying to kill herself yeah. for 15 years. Did you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I felt like she was in this limbo of, and it was the same, it was all tied in with the mother being there but not really being there she couldn't grieve for her yet she didn't have her and it was like she was in this liminal space where like and she said herself she felt invincible you know Mm. it was like she was throwing herself against walls trying to feel something that's what it felt like Mm. um that I mean, the risky behaviour was absolutely wild. Like mm. some of the stuff that went on, you're just rolling your eyes. But I can totally understand why. Like what? You what? What stands out for you with that kind of stuff? Like going over to Ireland to go travelling with gypsies, and uh, I think it was the Chechen rebel that got me. So she, <laughs> well, that really <laughs> now you're kind of thinking about the Chechen so, rebel. So her, okay, now this is a sentence <laughs> that just it's just ridiculous. Her sister owns a circus. So, <laughs> so we are talking super bohemian posh. Anyway, her sister owns a circus. And obviously he has Cossack ride she has Cossack riders in there. And so Clover sees this Cossack rider and the next thing you know, she's travelling in a setia. Like the it's just the most dangerous part of the world. And what is, I think, particularly in that episode, and she keeps on going back. She seems to go back for several yeah. years in a row. Mm. And meanwhile, her children are at home. <laughs> no judgment there. But no, you know, um, they're with their father, who was Clover's first husband, who turned out to be an Irish alcoholic, unfortunately. But but he wasn't really Irish, isn't it? didn't he? Well, was, well then I sort of thought he was Irish. Or maybe I decided he was. Did I, I, I think oh, he, he pretended to be Irish He did pretend and to be Irish. And then she realised when he went to he Hertfordshire. Went to visit the family. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and yeah. His, his father was yeah. a That would have been college. a bit of an alarm bell to meet someone pretending to be Yeah. Um, well, she, she took... In the men she hooked up with, and there were very, very many, she took them all <laughs> as um, totally on face value. Like, and it was only, it was as if after only three or four years in a setia traveling back and forth, she kind of realized, sorry, these guys are serious criminals who kind of murder people. I'm not safe. You know, it was only then. And what do you think that is? Where does that come from? Is that. I think that's more of the. I think that, that's the last event. That's the last big adventure. And I think that. Um, I think there was a dawning awareness in her mind that really this couldn't go on because at that point she starts to mention therapy a lot. That And this is a very examined book, I think. I think her voice is of the voice of self-examination. I think she's really, when she's writing this, she has really examined 
what her motivation for these things were. Why? Why did these things happen? These crazy things going living on a dude ranch in Texas, age 19 on her own. Like, wh- why? Why did she behave like that? So I think it also is um, a testament to how you know, good therapy can be, you know, how it can sort of make somebody examine their life in a very clear way. Mm. And I think a memoir actually needs that. Now, that's not to say that you spend, you don't spend several times in this book, or maybe it's just me (laughs) going, oh, for God's sake, rolling your eyes and saying, why are you so stupid? Stop it. Not even that. It's the whole romanticised idea of the gypsies in Ireland. If you think you're going to have a great time travelling around (laughs) Ireland with gypsies, you have another thing coming. But then also they turn out to be new age travellers. They're not what we know as Irish gypsies at all. And the same thing with the Dan, the Irish Irish husband in quotation marks, you know. So I think a lot of it is this kind of maybe romanticised idea of what she thinks it'd be wild yes maybe you know that's what she's chasing is this idea of that but I think at the end she comes to the realisation that that's actually not what she was looking for at all you know I I think the whole thing is that she's trying to get back to her childhood in um, Ox or where, where was her home house? It the was in Minty Minty sorry yeah that was the name yeah. of it I thought the 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 way, I mean, look, it's so devastating. This lovely woman in her early 50s has this horrific accident and is then left completely brain damaged, completely dependent, living in a home for 20 years. She lived for 20 years. And I thought that was really well handled in the book because you didn't get lost in that story. Her story is so devastating that it would have been easy to get lost in the mother's story. And but you don't. Yeah. You're very you're very much rooted in Clover's story and it's Clover's reaction to the mother's story. I, I, I saw in the at the end of it, she um she's she in the acknowledgments or whatever, she's very careful to say, and I suppose this is probably something that happens to all memoirists who are writing about a family. They're saying, Look, this is only my yeah. interpretation of the story. This is me. This is what yeah. I think happened. This is how I felt about it. I can't speak for anyone else. But I think I she did that she very well. That yeah, yeah, really, yeah. really, really well. Because you knew that all the way through. Yeah. You could imagine. And you think you mentioned her sisters. Mm-hmm. And you said, Bernice, before we started this, that actually one of her sisters is a well-known pottery. Well, exactly. Uh, like, uh, one of her, so she mentions Emma. Nell is the, is the woman who owns the circus. But her, her, <laughs> Good old Nell. her father had a first family uh, before he married her mother. And one of the, the daughters there is Emma. And, the, and Clover's very... Very, very close to Emma. Emma's mentioned all the time. And it's sort of halfway through, it's the, the penny dropped because I remember reading one of these um, lifestyle features in, in, in one of the, the British papers and it was with Emma Bridgewater who is this extraordinary ceramics lifestyle. She's made beautiful, she really has made a range of pottery all her own. Enormously successful woman. And it was Emma Bridgewater talking about her mother having died after 20 years. And you realised And I joined is... the dots then. <laughs> but she doesn't say any of that and, and good for her because yeah. this is this is her story. Yeah. This isn't her sister's um, story. I loved the bit where she came over with one bag on the ferry to Dublin and she ends up, it's really funny, she ends up working, she doesn't mention the name she of it, I'm but she ends up working in, no, but it's Tosca. She ends up is working in Tosca so? because it's an Italian restaurant yeah. owned by you too. There was a little raised bit at the back well where done. the... Oh, there was a raised bit at the back. Uh, that's where the band used to go and well sit and she you. mentions this ledge around where she, they had to uh, top up the champagne glasses of the supermodel girlfriends oh, of the band Do you remember that oh, I loved that because I was like, and she doesn't it's only a small yes, bit in Dublin is. but she evokes that time it was kind of I suppose uh, mid 90s yeah but uh, what comes out from that piece when her, she arrives in Dublin 
that she was 18 at the time, yeah. driving so over young. with a bag. Yeah. Yeah. And but she does have a way of landing on her feet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody always takes her in. Now, yeah, like she goes to the to Galway to to, to sort of follow this um, idea of going and with gypsies, and there. she goes into mm. the bar into the Roisin Dove, and mm. then then she's set up for well, you know, she's able to go back to the the halting site. Yeah, and she gets yeah, that's part of that recklessness as well, yeah. isn't it? Mm. That you just take up with some fellow. Yeah, and, and being open to, too. but yeah. open, I think, is another word that I she is. No, it's no, open about her. I'm not sure it's open. I think it's reckless. Actually, I think it's part of that wildness. I think if you're 18, I think it's that innocence of meeting yeah. strangers and trusting them. And I think that's what she did. But she, as you said, she landed on her feet for most, unless there's bits we haven't. I mean, and I know it's hard to think, you know, what if her the, her mama hadn't had the accident or whatever, but could that wildness have been in her anyway? Could Definitely, we have seen a thing yeah. where, you know, her mother didn't have an accident and then she just decided to head yeah. off anyway? Or do you think it's it's kind of... Well, she she does, does talk about trying to escape all the time. Like she says that like, yes. she could be somewhere else. She doesn't have to think about her mother. She doesn't have to, yeah. you know, grieve for her. I she can just she distract herself. I think she must have been in a privileged financial situation to be able to do that for those mm. years as well, that she could go off on her two years between Oxford and not have to save up money for yes. college or whatever. So and she's, she's obviously being, yes. she, she, she's being supported by her father or whoever, you know. Mm. So I think that if if that was open to her anyway, she seems like the sort of unbridled personality that, yeah. you know, would take those yeah. chances. I don't know about, I'm not sure about that. I, I, do, I don't know if, if I miss something, but like she she was working in the restaurant, to, she had to get money to pay rent. She didn't mm. seem to be beginning, That's true. She but then you don't know. Dublin, yeah. no. You don't know if she did, but I mean, she's not, it doesn't get you don't get the impression that well, she had like a trust fund or no, anything. Well like that. No, but you do not a trust fund, but uh, yes. she was well able to live off nothing, I'd say as well. You get that sense when she's travelling around Ireland that she doesn't need all that much either. Yeah, and some of her relationships are absolutely lovely, especially mm. with the older woman, her mum's friend. That oh, was really Candida, lovely. Yeah, yeah that who, was beautiful. Really yeah. lovely. So she did try to replace her mother in a sense or try to find connections that would replace that and it was only when she had her own children that she started to think oh like it's in a different world and that part if the what might have been world I would be picking up the kids and we'd be going over to visit granny and mm. granny'd be doing this and that and the other so you know there is that wistfulness but again she doesn't indulge in that which is fantastic because that would drive you completely mad if she was indulging in this crazy sentimentality it does feel more like an examination of her behaviour as if she is she's coming to the point that she's examining her behaviour. Yeah. There's a really, one of the scenes that stood out for me and uh, my mother couldn't be here as I mentioned but I, it's funny, my mum said the same one to me so I thought I might read a bit of it mm. is where this Dan, uh, her first husband, um, who it, it all starts very well and mm. they're very happy and then he starts staying out and drinking and it's it all sort of goes. But there's a scene in the bathroom with some profiteroles, I don't know. If oh you, yes, when he comes which home. Which is, is very yes. vivid but um it kind of, uh, it, I'll just read the last bit of it. He didn't hit me. Instead, he threw me back across the room towards the sink. Then he ripped open the box of profiteroles, throwing a handful of chocolate and cream pastry at me. Here's your fucking pudding, you miserable little bitch, he said, scooping a profiterole out of the plastic box and hurling it across the room. And those two, you bitch, you stupid little cow. The balls of pastry glued to the wall behind me, the brown chocolate and white cream mixing together and running down the ivory bathroom walls. Then Dan picked up the flowers by the bath, flinging them across the room at me too. So the petals fluttered down, mixing with the mess of pastry 
pastry and chocolate. He turned around, wild in his eyes, at the energy unleashed between us. As he turned to leave the room, his shoulder knocked the plain wooden mirror hanging above the sink. It had been a wedding present, but now it slipped from the wall, hitting the bulb over the sink, plunging the room into the darkness. The bulbs shattered all around, and I felt something cold against my cheek as the mirror clattered to the ground. That's a very, um, some of the writing in that is really good and... Yeah, she just had so many. Um... And what led up to that was Dan. She was at home. She was in the, in this the house in Oxford in Oxford with the two children, two tiny children. And again, she's only in her early twenties. I mean, you know, she's terribly young. <laughs> you forget that as well. Sometimes yeah. When you're so she's it. there all alone, and he's out yet again, yet again, yet again. And she said to him when he comes in, he's drunk. She said to him, "You know, I've been here all alone with two babies, you know, all day." And he's, "I brought you flowers," and that's then. It's so yeah. Well, but, there's a sticker on the flowers saying "reduced to fifty p." Yeah. Just let's let's yeah. mention <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's constantly going on about how he's no money, and though mind you, that's also a theme. She always hooks up. With these guys who have absolutely no money and are extraordinarily proud it's of really it. really impractical though. Yeah. Well. Like, what did you think was going to happen when you got with yeah. a musician who's pretending to be Irish who plays yes. gigs at night? You're going to have two young kids with them. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I she mean, doesn't hook up with an accountant. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you have to admire. Now I have to bring again Anne Ingle in here because she oh, did yeah. send me some notes. Great. And uh, Mother, I always find is the bit of a dissenting voice. And oh, yes, she is good. here too. Yes, okay. Uh, she says I have no interest in horses or horse riding, no, and I got bored reading yeah. about oh. ponies and traps racehorses booking broncos etc mm, okay. she too. thought the mother having the accident was handled very well yeah. and she thought it was uh, very clever about waiting a long time to find out who the father of the first two children mm. was and she's very sorry that Dan went to the bad because I think she kind of liked, liked yeah. Dan she, yeah. um, she liked uh, her descriptions of nature as well yeah, she says she writes very beautifully yeah, about the fields yes, and the, yes, and the and, uh, she thought it was interesting the clover when she used to meet these men and how many men said to her and when she said, my name is Clover, and they'd say, three leaves or four, was uh, was one of the things. She says, the themes contained in this memoir are very interesting. Loss of a mother, alcoholism, bad marriage, single parent, new career, depression. <laughs> but the horses ruined it all for me. Yeah. And she yeah. says, no, no prize for anyone who says there's a lot of riding in the book. She <laughs> certainly was sexually active from an early age with the consent of her liberal mother, which was interesting yes. in itself. Age 14, I think. Was yeah. she with the lodger? The yeah. mother took in lodgers. So yeah, that I was, I found, that quite, shocking, that. I found that quite shocking, actually. Yeah. Tell the listeners about that. Well, the mother, so there's this big rambling house and her father was a, he, I think he directed Coronation Street yeah. or something. He was a TV director, so he was off doing that wherever he did it. So he sort of fl- floated in and out. So the mother in this giant big house took in lodgers. So she her first relationship was with a student lodger. It must have been, they must have been near a college. She was in his early 20s and she was 14. Like, mm. not good. Clover's mom, like so but again that's all that is all presented more in the framework of posh bohemia actually that's sort of just this is something we all do like mm. you know yeah. and that's sort of hard going I think it's as a reader yeah it is it's as hard as a reader you think now I have to say I do agree with Anne Ingle as regards the horses I may have skipped over one or two pages yeah. involving horses <laughs> because I couldn't care less about horses and she adores horses and you know horses to me and maybe this is yet another of my many prejudices that I just think they mean money. So that when she's talking about, you know, herself and the kids and they're so broken, she's a single mom and she still works, but she went out and bought a little horse for the children. It was great because she didn't have to stand in the playground any longer with them. So she could go to the, the stables and, and they could ride the horse. And you think, mm, 
really that poor? You know, yeah. And But maybe that's just a different mindset. Maybe that's just a different way of thinking that I just don't have. What about you and the horses, Neve? Is the rambling descriptions of the horses that I found really <laughs> difficult. Yeah. yeah. Really reminded me, this is really bad, of Jilly Cooper. Oh. I had to read that there. Just, just those bits, like, and then there's bits about riding kind of stuck in between and all of that. So, um, yeah. that, that I did find difficult and unnecessary, to be honest with yeah. you. Maybe if that's what you're into, you'd appreciate it. I suppose I've never ridden horses like that, so I don't no. know what that feeling. But the, the riding the horses seemed, seemed to give her that sense of wildness. And, you know, when she's. And sexuality, actually, as, because she yeah. kept on talking about her, her taut bottom or no, something. No, she kept telling people, her like, thighs. I have a very good seat. Yes, a very good seat. <laughs> She didn't mean a set of chairs around a dining table. I know, there's one bit where she talks about saying that to her at the early stages of a relationship with her second husband. Yeah. Where she said, I told him I'd very good seat. I knew it would drive him wild. Like, that's all a bit. I just think, oh. It's a bit much, yeah. Well, it's a bit posh English girl and you just think, oh, I mean, we've mentioned posh a lot here, but I I suppose that it can be quite, that can be a bit, we're being poshist. Are we kind of like, somebody's background or bohemian background isn't necessarily something to to be derogatory about. I didn't pick that up having not known it. Yeah, but I really don't I got over myself. I you, you got know, over yourself. I definitely yeah. got okay. over myself as yeah. regards that. Mm. I wouldn't approach it, yeah, thinking that yeah. this is some posh girl exactly. writing, a, writing a book about horses. It's not. Exactly. She's a very genuine experience mm. with everything she's gone through yeah. and completely understandable all of the the wildness of travelling to all these mad places and stuff. I don't think it feels in any ways unrelatable yeah. just because she's posh. Yeah, exactly. So, so Neve, tell me, totally would you agree. go and recommend this book now? And mm. it's interesting that Bernice said there's no way she would have read it and I don't know, maybe it wouldn't mm. have come across your... Uh, radar either except for no, the book No I actually club. loved the look of it as well I thought that this would be something that I would really like um, have never had heard of her or her family before so I came to it completely fresh I would definitely recommend it yeah I think uh, the, also the writing is amazing mm, the is writing super. is stunning and the way she writes about nature I really really enjoyed that and I could really she, I, I could really identify with it and I, I loved the way she described you know the white horse at Uffington as well which if you look yeah, up is actually, absolutely that's a really stunning good do you remember that because exactly. she goes looking for it with one of her kids or something yeah. and they come across it and it really is amazing a, and that's a, a motif the throughout back. the book you know that's it oh, yeah. and the acknowledgement page it's absolutely incredible and um, and it seems to be this emblem that stays with her through nowhere, yeah. no matter where she goes. Um, I mean, she's an, she seems like an incredible woman. Yeah. Like, you'd, would you like to meet her from this? No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't actually. I don't know why. I think, I think she's. I think she might be a bit annoying. Because I think, I think, I think people that sail through life just. And she had. That's terrible saying through life because that's wrong. Because the most catastrophic things have happened to her. But I think I'd have nothing in common with her. Okay. At all. Okay. At all. But you, you you were riveted by the story. I thought the story was fantastic. I think I I very much enjoy memoirs, um, and I'm I do enjoy very much this this new era of memoir writing yes. we're in, where it's sort of there's a, a democratization of memoir isms or whatever, you know, because it used to be that you'd have to win the Nobel Prize before be you sort of write well, a yeah, memoir. Before exactly. everybody thought, oh, you are worth, worthy yeah. of a memoir. No, we've mm. passed that. We have. So, and I think that's fantastic. And I read Educated by Tara Westover recently oh, and yes. it's not, it's very different book, mm-hmm. but again, it does bring me in mind that just people with stories to tell, yeah. people who you ne- would never hear of otherwise who are, are brilliant storytellers and it just put their life on the page yeah. and it's fascinating. Yeah, it's you really know. brave. I know that's an overused word when it comes mm. to writing, but it is really brave. She's completely honest yes, with her story. Is. And the only way it would have worked was if she was that brave. She's an, a 
beautiful writer and it's a very, very compelling story. Mm. Um, I, I would like to meet her actually because I'm kind of mm. fascinated by just mm. uh, just to see what she'd be like. And mm. she's actually a journalist. Mm. So she writes for all sorts. She writes for Condé Nast. Mm. She writes mm. for The Mail, all sorts of things. Um, so she's, and I mean, she's got five kids now, you know, mm. I do. I think the energy in her, she's got some energy. Oh, That's wow. <laughs> and you know what was amazing? You know, and I've, she's written articles about it as well, about that when she loves giving birth. Oh. She loves that feeling. You know, Bernice's face. Yeah. If you can picture, picture Bernice Harrison's face. Having done it face. twice, I don't think I... But there's something very kind of visceral about what she looks for in life. You know, she yes. looks for, she looks for the real fulcrum of everything. Mm. Like, And I think childbirth is one of those things that's the very essence of who we are. Mm. Um, and I think that that's really interesting that that's... She's constantly trying to reconnect with that, be that yes. painful or not. It doesn't matter. It's like really raw and there's a lot of energy there. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And I think that she's she, she's she's a good example of someone. Who, and I think she genuinely has lived a really wild life. Yes. And I think yeah. she always will. And maybe. And is it is it sort of refreshing to read a memoir by somebody who has has lived a wild life that it isn't sort of drugs and mm. you know. So there is lots of that in it is, as well. But it's, but it's all, not it's not built around exactly. That. Yeah, I yeah. think it. I, I think her life's well. Now you wouldn't be giving it to an eighteen-year-old saying, "Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> guess what you could do." Yeah. But at the same time, I think there is such as I, I what you said, Neve is so true. There is such an energy off it because she has such an energy. She has such an energy. Yeah. I don't think it's the worst example either. I, 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 I think it's really admirable to search for that in life mm. and to not feel constrained. Like it feels like she lives a life completely unconstrained by like practicalities and. Um, you know, this needing to climb the career ladder or even though she's done, obviously has done very well for herself. But she wasn't bothered about that when she was in her te- late teens and 20s. That didn't necessarily bother her. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, a good way to live life as well, mm-hmm. or to at least aspire to. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. Maybe not the rush apart and all that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not loving yeah. the Cheshire Rebel. Well, no. listen, the book is called The Wild Other. Um, it's by Clover Stroud. It has a very uh, fetching picture of her, as you say, Bernice, on the cover, astride a, a sort of brown and white pony in the middle of the English countryside, I think. Um, and this is pretty much a thumbs up, I think. Yeah, Anne Ingle yeah. not being here didn't didn't wasn't bowled over by the, the horsiness of it. But apart from that, I mean, the fact that if you're not into horses, Bernice, mm. and you loved oh, this book. Loved the book. Loved then it. I think that's a good a good sign. So thumbs up from the book. Now we're going to start a new um sort of way of choosing the book Bernice and mm-hmm. we put you as the guinea pig for the first one oh, we're going yeah. to get you to choose the next book and I know you don't have it now no. but we will come back to you and the next book we do for the book club will be one that you've chosen so if we don't like it we can give out to you oh, and tell okay. you off right. but we will say we, we, we like very short books this is a nice this short, short book, book. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we do we'll like just that. put that as a little hint yes. No war. we don't want war, war and peace no okay good <laughs> nor, nor me so good <laughs> brilliant well listen Bernice Harrison Neve Tarry um and in absentia, Anne Ingle, thank you very much for coming in to discuss The Wild Weather by Clover Stroud and we'll see you next time. And that's it for today. Thanks very much to our book club, Roisin Ingle, Neve Towie and Bernice Harrison. Just a reminder that the book is called The Wild Other and it's written by Clover Stroud. Today's podcast was produced by Roisin Ingle and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.